Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene. Sponsored by Hit Marketing Design, the design agency as passionate about craft beer as we are. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters John Stevens, Nick Flynn, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Bayonet Brewing Co., The Paper Mill Micropub, Berkshire Beer Box, The Small Batch Brewing Co., Belgium and Blues Southampton, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker and Aid Barley. So, how you doing, Lee, anyway? Yeah, good. You just had a, a week off work. I'm, I'm completely knackered. I could do with another week off. <laughs> uh, look, it's been, um, since we actually had you on the podcast, it's been almost exactly two years. That was episode 39, which published in March 2021. So uh, a lot of water under the bridge since then, including the last nine months or so of, uh, of COVID. But you guys, I think, are in rude health nonetheless certainly since we recorded you built a new brewery i think you've opened at least one maybe two additional retail hospitality outlets i'm not sure of how many had maybe had three then did you i'm not sure but uh, uh yeah i think we probably had the taproom slash beer hall mm-hmm. uh we would have had pocklington i would think yeah i think um, so market town one um we added leads towards the start of the pandemic which yep. was um ill-judged but you don't know. <laughs> um, ah. uh, and and then, geez, what would it be? Maybe six, seven months ago, we added a um, tap room at our new brewery location. Nice. Yeah. So that at least definitely is new. And I think I'm, I'm pretty sure the Leeds one probably as well. Um, yeah, I think probably. Yeah. yeah. Let's probably start with the, the highlights of the last two years then, from your perspective. You know, there's been obviously been some low lights. So let's let's focus on the positives. What, uh, what, what are you most proud of over the last two years? Well, building and bedding in the new brewery, I think, mm-hmm. would have to be um, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, highlight. It's not been an easy journey. No. To have everything new and then to kind of assume it's all going to integrate and work perfectly is naive at best. Optimistic, uh, let's call it. Yeah. Yes, optimistic. <laughs> yes, I, I'm a, an eternal optimist. <laughs> it didn't pan out that way, unfortunately, but we're 18 months or so down the road now. So things have bedded in that the team has matured. I think we've got the the strongest team we we've ever had. Some really yeah. capable uh, guys and gals. Yeah. And yeah, I think our, our quality is uh, ever on the up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that beer that you're drinking there is testament to that. Fabulous. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No, so we'll come to that one in a bit. Superb. We'll get there in a moment. Now let's talk some numbers then. So what's the what's the capacity now of, of Brew York across the across the sites? Right, so the, the new site has two brew houses in, both of them 50 hectolitres, but one of them is a double size, right. um, has a double size mass slaughter ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, had it made as big as it could possibly be made, it is the exact legal limit to travel on a British road without a police escort. How extraordinary, I love that. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's huge. Um, and we have a selection of 50 hectolitre, 100 hectolitre and 200 hectolitre vessels. Wow, so those are some that, boys, aren't they? <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. so, but because that mass slaughter ton is so big, mm-hmm. it means we can put enough grain in there for a 100 hectolitre brew. Right. We then would divide the wort across two kettles that we have, 
we would boil that and then we would unify it again into one of the 100 hectolitre vessels. Mm. So it means for all we're considered a 50 hectolitre brewery because that is our brew length. Yeah. Uh, we can, in fact, do about 100 hectolitres of wort in about six and a half hours. Wow. There'd be some people listening to this that are quite envious of, you know, that that extent of capacity isn't it you know there, there, there's people doing much longer days than that for very much smaller brews <laughs> yeah well the, the, the idea is if you, if you have the ability to do so you want to kind of future proof so you go bigger than you need uh you can you have more capacity you have more sophistication you have the ability to grow yeah so we, we kind of considered all of that and we designed it around all the beers that we wanted to make um we've got valves that we can shut off to make our kettles anaerobic for souring etc yeah uh, but we made sure that um the kit that we've installed would be able to grow with us and it's it's probably over spec for what we're doing at the minute right but then we have the ability to do multiple beers during the day yeah, uh, which we can now at long last do, but we had to upgrade our incoming water supply to make that possible. Right, mm-hmm. that was that was one of the biggest teething issues we've had over the last year, simply not being able to get the water out of the ground quick enough. That's nuts, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. the mind about treating it, it's just actually just simply getting it out of the pipe. Is uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we have uh, reverse osmosis. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a water purification system as well. So, so that's one of the ways in which our quality's really come on since we last right. spoke. Yeah, um, because we're able to strip the water right back, remove all the mineral content, and then build up dependent on the style of beer that That's we're making. Want, so, yeah. I, um, we didn't really do lagers before. We now do do a, a really good pilsner uh, yeah. because we can get the water that is required for so very low mineral content water yeah. makes for a good pilsner. Terrific. And so how big's your staff now? Staff, it's still not a huge team. I would say across brewery and warehousing and distribution there's maybe 14 people okay mm-hmm. the entire business is around about 70 people but about half of those would be in the various bars yeah mm-hmm. yeah well, it's becoming becoming a, a decent sized business but yeah it's still amazing that you know 14 on the production and manufacturing side if you like is as few as 14 really oh well that's the thing about beer to produce yeah. 20 liters is a one-man job <laughs> to produce 200 litres is a one-man job. To produce 20,000 litres is a one-man job. You Providing like the kind of technology moves along and you've got yeah. things that kind of aid the human efforts, mm. such as works to evacuate your grain, yeah. uh, rather than having to um, spit out three tonne of grain, which would not be fun. So I was thumbing through your website this afternoon, sort of doing a bit of research and figuring out what to talk about. And I noticed you at least claim on there to have 10 core beers. Can that be... A fact it's an extraordinarily yeah. large number <laughs> oh that's less than it used to be right and you're going to challenge me to name them now aren't <laughs> <you>? <laughs> um well on the cask front we've recently reduced it we just have karma chameleon a 3.7 percent apa yep. to entry level now gluten-free really easy drinking nice oh. and hoppy and juicy yeah um we've also then got tonkoko which is our 4.3 percent milk stout flavored with coconut yeah uh, herbs tonka and vanilla so they're the only permanent fixtures in cask right now. Yeah. Um, in keg, we then have Haze of Thunder, 4.2% Hazy Pale. We've currently got Rhubarb Astrizen, 5% Rhubarb um, Pale. We've got Juice Forsyth, which is our best-selling beer by far, which is a 5% fruited IPA featuring yep. pineapple, mango, passion fruit. Mm-hmm. We have just reintroduced to our core range time traveling taxi, which is a 5.4% New England IPA. Yep. 
What else have we got? How many have I done so far? Oh, I wasn't counting. I think that might be six. <laughs> right, I'm some short then, aren't I? Uh, oh, Golden Eagle is our pilsner. Yeah, we're in at yeah. four point five. Yeah. Uh, what's the West Coast Eagle? A big Eagle? Is that is that not cool? Uh, big Eagle. Yeah. So that that's currently displaced from our core range, although yeah. that is about to be listed in the supermarket. So oh. that will become more of a regular fixture again soon. Yeah. What am I missing? I'm going to kick myself here, aren't I? Oh, Lupulion, our 5% oh, gluten-free yeah. APA, which yeah. is a classic APA um, a bright one. And then we do have Maris the Otter, uh, which is our English bitter, yeah. which we have available most of the time on cask as well. Right. But the other, so, so the others are all available all the time, pretty much in can and keg or cask, according to. Uh, and, and we have a cider, which is actually produced elsewhere for us, but um, white labeled. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So I guess that would be the tenth one. So technically, it's nine. Yeah. Okay. But I guess I guess the question is, so you do with the production capacity you've got, I guess you can brew big enough batches of these on the rotation to to keep them always available. Or? Yeah. So our best seller is Juice Forsyth. We we sell over double of that versus the next best seller. Right. Um, mm-hmm. That's what we have the two hundred hectoliter tanks for. Yeah. So, yeah, we do produce that in very, very large volumes now. Mm-hmm. All of our corbiers are produced in our larger vessels and then yeah. our seasonals, of which we're aiming to do about four a month now, uh, right. are in our smaller 50 hectolitre vessels. Awesome. Yeah. And the Juice Forsyth, that's going, what percentage of that is keg compared to can? Ooh, I don't know. If I had to guess, I would say about 30% is keg, 70% okay. is can. Oh well, wow. I would thought it might be might be skewing more the other way, and and so I guess you're looking to try and have that as a sort of permanent line as as, as best you can accomplish it in, in in tap rooms and bars and pubs, or yeah, um, I mean you have your core range, and then you have what you would call your flagship ales, so the ones right. that you kind of nail your reputation to. And Juice Forsyth is is definitely that for us, and probably Tonkoko would be the the other one. Yeah. Um, so I think come May this year. It'll be stocked in every major UK supermarket. Oh wow! Yes, yeah, not far short of that now. At least it doesn't. It, it seems like it's on every shelf that I look at. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's taken some doing, and um, yeah, it's just really solid, really consistent, really easy drinking. It's a fantastic yep. fridge filler, the kind of thing yep. you want to attack the second you get in the door from work. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, that's cool. Nice, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, so you mentioned uh, Big Eagles about to land. Pardon the pun in in, in a supermarket. I'm sure you can't tell me who that is, but. Have you got aspirations to get others as well listed, or you know, is, is it how far um, do you see that going? Well, I think we've got about five different beers listed in various different supermarkets yep. at the minute. Some of them we're kind of changing up the lineup for us to get juice into one. It is requiring us to remove another beer, right? Uh, put simply, juice just sells better, so yep. they want that one instead. But yeah, I think we've got about five different ones. Yeah, come May this year, we'll have let me have a look. Yeah, I think there'll be three three or four different ones. So, yeah, yeah it's kind of reducing, yeah. but it's then our real best sellers and it's in the higher volume of stores. Yes. Nice. And, and I think, you know, it, it seems to me that you're doing this at the volume that it obviously commercially makes sense to do so, you know, for, for, for those sales rather than as a sort of a lost leader just to get the name into the minds of beer drinkers. Or is it, I'm sure it's a bit of both, but for, by the sounds of it, you're, you've got enough going on there that you must be 
you must be at least making some money with the the, the super. Yeah, we, we wouldn't be doing it unless we were making. <laughs> no, making no, money. I don't. I didn't mean to. Yeah, times are hard enough as it is without. Yeah. Um, I, I get why you might do certain things, subscription mm. services, etc., where you might do it at near cost. Yeah. Uh, because it's great marketing, mm-hmm. uh, and we've done that in the past, and not to say we wouldn't do it again. Yeah. But for the beers that we have in the supermarket, we do need to be making a reasonable return. Good, yeah, um, on those, and and yeah, thankfully we are. No, I, mean, I get the sense that some of the beers that you see in the supermarkets are very much not not quite a lost leader, but it's about a, you know establishing a brand and and getting getting your yeah and getting volume, volume, getting growth, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I suspect the same myself, but uh, I can't point fingers because I'll um, offend friends. And <laughs> yes, indeed. Moving moving swiftly on. I don't want to offend anybody on this podcast, but I, I quite often do, I think, but uh, mostly not intentionally. Um, let's talk about Hot Busters, Lee. This is not lasting very long in my glass this evening. Absolutely superb. You mentioned when we were emailing to set this up that this, you know, this is a beer that you, you're really excited about, and I can see why. 5.8% New England IPA. Uh, let me read the tasting notes and then uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. The tasting notes say, let's play Hot Busters. In our latest collaboration, we've used Salt Beer Factory's hexagonal branding to pay tribute to a legendary TV game show. And New England IPA is loaded with Motueka and Nelson Savan New Zealand hops, giving bold tropical grape and citrus fruit flavours. Can I have a pee, please, Bob? Which is a great end <laughs> to the tasting notes. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I'm sure that will be lost on a few people. Um, the, the original name for the beer actually was going to be Bob Hopness, mm. but then the younger members of our team, um, and almost all of them are younger than me, to be fair, yeah. um, said, what? Who, wh- who or what is that a reference to? It was, I guess it was on the telly, well, it's probably more like 80s and 90s, wasn't it, I should think? It might have been in the early 90s, but it's certainly a good while ago. Yeah, so, yeah, kind of went over the heads of some of our teams. So yeah. we, we changed it to... Hot Busters, because it's a little bit nearer to the... And then they they got the reference a little bit better. Nice, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think we've done a, a sterling job with that beer. We had Colin come across from Salt and Brew with us. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And as with any collab, we like to learn from the brewery that we're working with. Yeah. So uh, this was very much led by Colin. So we took his approach to the construction of the grist. Nice. Uh, and we took his approach to how you would hop the beer. Yeah, and then uh, we made a joint decision on the yeast, and we used two different types of yeast in this one. Okay. So it has London Ale Three and Conan in it, okay. uh, and I think the blend of the two has really kind of helped mm-hmm. with the the fruity esters, um, uh, kind of amplified the hop mm-hmm. character. Fantastic! The the fruit flavour is really singing from this. I could, you know, really getting the grape, um, I guess, from the Nelson, and it's just a really you know, very very bold flavours. It's um, you know, it's. A, Obviously, super fresh, which really helps as well. Um, but but this is really pleasing me. First beer of the day, and I couldn't couldn't ask for anything better than this. This is you know I think it's uh, you, you know you, you said you really uh, you're really proud of this, and I can see why. I think this is a you know this is a beer that uh, I think people are going to get really excited about. Um, is this going to be? Dare I ask if this is going to be around? You know, more than just a special. Is it going to? You know, you can see this one being being rebrewed. Uh, I could see it being rebrewed at some point in the future, but there's one thing we've learned recently is you need to allow a certain amount of time before a rebrew. Oh, that's fine. Um, yeah. Just because something's sold well, the temptation is to go in and immediately rebrew it. Yeah. But we have to bear in mind that just because we've run out doesn't mean the people we sold it to have run out. It's that's still true. sat out on those independent <laughs> shelves out there. Oh, no. So it wouldn't be an appetite for us to do um, it immediately. So we have kind of an in-house rule now. Nothing comes back within a year. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it would be yeah up to two years now before we would re-release that. Right. But 
we really like what we've done in terms of the recipe construct. Yes. So we could do something similar, but with different hops. Yep. Um, and we've put a lot of work into developing our pails over the last 12 to 18 months. Right. And I think we've come on leaps and bounds. And this is probably the pinnacle of that, that this is the best work we've done yet. Fantastic. So we're constantly learning. And from mm-hmm. this, we'll go on and do hopefully even better pails. Yeah. And having already just chastised you for how many core beers you've got, it, it does occur to me yeah. that you haven't got a six plus percent New England, or even a you know, even a, a New England IPA that's close to six percent in the core range at the moment, have you? So so is that could you see a place for that in your core range? I mean, I know that the ten you know the trend is for lower ABV beers these days, but well, time traveling taxi, our original um, NEPA, is about to become a permanent fixture back in our core range. Oh, okay, brilliant, yeah, um, and that's five point four. So I guess that would kind of scratch yeah. that. Fair enough. I'm often guilty of repeating myself on this podcast, but I, I do think the, the the absolute sweet spot for beer that pleases me is is sort of between maybe six point three and seven percent. That in the New England IPA particularly gives you the palate to really make the flavours become almost overwhelming. And uh, you know that's uh, say that's just me. It's probably my the, the, the inner alcoholic you know talking is in, in my place. But uh... well, no, no, I'd, I'd agree. I'd say for that style. My sweet spot, I'd say, was in the range of sort of 5.5 to 7. So I think we're, yeah. we're quite similar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got to have enough kind of malt to deliver the residual sweetness and deliver yeah. the body mm-hmm. and then be able to carry the amount of hops that you're using in, in this kind of style. Yeah. So uh, it, it's not possible to do that with the low ABV ones. God knows we all, knows we all try. But... No. And I, I guess, I mean, and you'd know much better than me, but I, I you know, it, it's my sense that it's easier to charge the, you know, the premium price that you need to charge for, for the level of hopping that, that the best of these beers require. If it's coming in at 6.5 or 7%, people are prepared to pay a premium price for a beer at that strength as opposed to 5%. There is nothing more British than associating price with ABV. I know, I know. Where we do things. We should know better. Uh, but, but... I don't agree with it. But no. that is the way that people's minds work. So, yeah. yes, you're absolutely right. If it's a higher ABV, people will pay a higher price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not. It's not big and it's not clever, but it is, it's the way of the market. So <laughs> you can try and educate, but you can't ultimately can't fight it, can you really? But well, this is a great beer. Uh, look, time, how did you find the sort guys, I guess, have got – I haven't had them on the podcast, but I know that they've got a pretty significant capacity of brewery themselves, haven't they? Are they at the same sort of scale as you? Um, I, th- I think if you talked about salt only, yeah. yes. But then they've got um, the bre- they've got the old hop stuff brewery down yes. in London now. That's right. Uh, yeah. And I believe there's a third brewery somewhere else, and I forget where that one is now. Mm. So the combination of everything that they have there would would be bigger than us. Much bigger. Yeah. But I think yeah. we would be um, at least compar- comparable, if not bigger, to what they have over in Alset. Okay. In Salt Air, sorry. Yeah. But I guess you know, obviously, their brewing experience they were bringing to the to the collab is at least on you know some sort of comparable scale to to yours, as opposed to sort of you know brewing with with somebody out of the working out of their garage or whatever. Oh no, I mean Colin's an absolute legend in the industry. Um, yeah, he's been at well Marble, Buxton, Northern Monk, Salt. Yep, he he is the very definition of the rock star brewer. Yes, and, the, mm-hmm. uh, and has some iconic beers to his name. Uh, and we did a kind of YouTube thing after the collab with him, and he is ridiculously modest. He thinks he's just got lucky five times. Like, <laughs> I love not it. Got lucky that many times. It, if it's happening this many times, maybe there is something down to your capability. Maybe it's your skill. I think very likely, yeah. 
there's a lot of very modest people in this industry, that's for sure. This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Hit Marketing Design, a design agency based in Essex offering professional marketing services across the UK. They specialise in graphic design, brand creation and web design and can create anything from a fresh logo, new product branding, eye-catching adverts to a fully populated website. No fluff or filler, real design for a competitive world. To find out more, visit hitmarketingdesign.co.uk. At this stage, Lee, I like to pose a, a slightly uh, more challenging question than the ones I've asked you so far. I like to ask the guest, is there anything that you look back on in the uh, the Brew York years and say, oh, I wish we'd done that differently? Is there, you know, at any stage, you know, in on reflection and, you know, with the glorious benefit of hindsight, you say, look, if we'd have zigged there instead of zagged, then we would have accomplish something different or been further on you know down the path or whatever i don't know it's like it doesn't, doesn't have to be a business question necessarily it can be a brewing question it can be you know whatever direction you want to take it but really what i'm fishing for is nuggets of of inspiration that other people might be able to benefit from you know moving forwards okay yeah no, that, interesting question so I, I would say I, I don't think there are points of failure. Uh, I think it's a, a British attitude to consider things to be points of failure. I would say there are certainly some points where we've learned some things okay. yep. um, and could have done things differently and it would have delivered some different results. Hmm. So one that springs to mind, and I think we've done it twice, is we didn't invest in our sales function. And I can think of two different occasions on which this occurred. So so our sales plateaued. So right. the demand was out there, but we weren't able to fulfill it because we didn't have the manpower going out and talking to the customers. Yep. So I think the lesson there would have been to 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 back ourselves, yep. to listen to what people were saying and to, yeah, invest in our people, invest in our sales function um, and get people out there. And yeah, I think we, as as ridiculous as our growth curve has been, it could have been better. If right. we hadn't had those couple of periods of plateau, yeah, uh, periods of plateau are good to allow you to reflect and take <laughs> actually stock. catch up with the demand yeah. a bit. And the, yeah. yeah, if it's constantly growth, 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 then yeah, you could go a little insane. That's even more exhausting. If you know, if you could possibly imagine that, I'm sure it's been exhausting enough, even even with what you what you have accomplished. No, nice, yeah, good answer, and I can see, yeah. I can totally understand that, and it's perhaps easy to to do that as well, isn't it? Because salespeople are potentially quite an expensive hire and they don't always work out either of course so you can you know you, you potentially can hire three salespeople and maybe only two will, will will turn out to be any good maybe only one out of the three and so it's not just an expensive hire but it's also a, a higher a, 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 probably a, a higher risk hire than than any other that you might make in the business because it's not yeah, so yeah, easy to, to, yeah. to get good references on salespeople i don't think I, I think thankfully our track record with that has been pretty good um mm -hmm. if not great Oh, um yeah you, you don't know that at the time yeah. Uh, yeah we did we did have some some doubt and we should have done that sooner and i think the other one would be i referred back to how we had severe teething issues with the new site right um so we got the new site underway and we took on a massive order straight away and it was too much yeah. uh it there's testing the system and then there's trying to break the system. Yep. Uh, and we, we near enough broke the system and unfortunately we near enough broke our people. Yeah. Um, so I, I am quite sorry about the pain that our team had to endure through that period whilst we got to grips with the new kits, uh, challenges with water availability, etc., yeah. all that kind of stuff. 
So um, in hindsight, we would have walked before we ran. Right. Um, but yeah, we, we tried to take on too much too quickly with the new site there. Yeah. Good answers, both of those, Lee. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. Let's talk about what you've got coming up this year. What are you most excited about in 2023 for Brew York? Uh, we've got a few things coming up uh, fairly soon, actually. So um, on the 7th of April, um, sorry, 7th of March, yeah. I fly out to Tampa. Oh, cool. Uh, so we're going to Tampa for Tampa Beer Week. Uh, nice. We're going to be brewing with Hidden Springs out there. Uh, going to be involved with a number of different events out there. Out yeah. there for, yeah, I think... Is it something like seven, eight beers? That's awesome. Uh, really, really looking forward to that. I'm um, going to do a little bit of uh, industrial espionage while we're over there. Of course. You um, have to, wouldn't you? Out of people's tap rooms, check <laughs> out other people's breweries, yep. uh, see what we can learn and bring back to the UK. Brilliant. Um, in addition to that, we've got our seventh birthday on yep. the 21st and 22nd of April. One session on the Friday, two sessions on the Saturday, uh, where we've got five international breweries joining us. So um, Hidden Springs are coming uh, nice. from Tampa. We've got Levig from Norway. We've got Merschlittle from Holland. We've got Black uh, from Berlin in Germany. Um, who, from, who from Berlin, sorry? Uh, Black Brut. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, uh, probably the lesser known of the ones we've got yeah. coming, but they're the kind of German Nipa specialists. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. I encountered them at a couple of festivals in yeah. in Scandinavia, and their Nipas were just mm. epic up there with some yeah. of the best American stuff. That's um, awesome! What a great lineup! And then, yeah, Funky Fluid from Poland, who oh, do some also awesome, yeah, brilliant. ridiculous sours, which I love. Damn, are there still tickets available for that, Lee? Um, I believe the Saturday afternoon session is getting quite packed. Right. I believe the Friday evening and Saturday evening there should be decent availability left for. Fabulous. And is that a, it's not an all you can drink ticket, is it? It's a pay as you go. Um, it's a pay as you go. Yeah, it's yeah. A, an entry fee, um, and then you pay as you go. Um, but each of the breweries will be involved in a, a talk or a seminar or a tasting. So there's That's lots nice. of experiment going on a, as well alongside the various beers that will be pouring. Fabulous. Yeah, brilliant. That sounds like an amazing, uh, an amazing event. Yeah. What else you got um, festival wise uh, in the diary ready for the summer? So oh, I need to chat to my events team about that. I think, <laughs> I think we're going back to Finland again. Okay. Um, so there was an event, uh, event we did there, which uh, was called the His Wiz His Wiz Festival. Have I got that right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're moving venue, but I think we're going back to that one again. Yeah. Beyond that, we'll be at the usual things like London Craft Beer Festival, yep. Leeds, etc. But yeah, I need to check in with my events team to find out what else there is and uh, where I can go and plonk myself in the summer. Nice. You're gonna you're gonna get Wayne to do a few of those, are you? Are you are you, are you the main? No, no. Wayne probably does more festivals than I do. Does he? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I tend to uh, cherry pick these days. Nice. That's so there are a few that um, I love and will always be. Out. I love going to uh, London Craft Beer Festival. Right. Um, UK scene wise, I think Leeds is probably my favourite, so I'll, I'll definitely be there. Terrific. Um, other than that, I'll play it by you. Yeah, oh, you can't, I mean, there's only so many weekends you can do and then keep sane. I think, isn't it? It's just you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's... so my wife tells me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm very much looking forward to to hopefully seeing you at. Uh, well, I'll certainly see you at some of those, I'm sure, and probably most of them. But uh, <laughs> all good. Are you are you going in for the the big vault kind of thing at at, at London again or? I don't know. I suspect not this time around. No. Yeah. 
Not not the cheapest to do it that way. No, though. I bet it isn't. It always yeah. uh, it strikes me as being a big, uh, I'm sure, a big investment. It's, it's great marketing. We got fantastic footfall. Um, when we did the vault, whenever that was, um, I think our numbers were uh, third only to Brewdog and Beavertown. Wow. So yeah, it it, it works. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is a decent outlet to uh, to kind yeah. of get that. I think that wasn't last year, was it? It's probably the year before last. I think you did that. I don't know, so. Yeah, well, I, I hesitate on putting a date on it because we've had this pandemic thing it's where really everything gets a little right, bit blurry, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is hard to keep track of these things, but uh, no, great. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to seeing you out and about. Anyway, um, what do you got coming up beer release wise that you're excited about? Uh, beer release wise, I think the one I'm probably most excited about is so uh, we, we have like. Tom Coco in our beer range, and we've done all these different iterations of it over the years. And then we we realised that, well, our best-selling beer is Juice Forsyth. Mm-hmm. We've over, only ever done one version of it. Okay. <laughs> uh, this year, we're going to be playing around with that a little bit. And the first, right. well, actually, in fact, the second of those, we've already done a vegan version that's out there and uh, available now. Yep. But releasing soon is an imperial strength version. Oh, okay. Which we're calling, confusingly, Juice Forsyth, D E U C E. What could possibly go wrong with that naming convention? That's right. Yeah, well, imagine the bar where they're serving both and someone ends mm-hmm. up with imperial instead of the standard. Yeah, so, yeah we, we probably screwed over the hospitality stuff there. I don't think that's um, going to But yeah. it just seemed like a, a logical name. It kind of does, actually. Yeah, it's, I, I, I totally see that. <laughs> but that'd be good. Um, what, what, what's the ABV coming in there? 8% on that eight. one. Yep. Nice. And that's just been packaged this week. Uh, but that'll be in QC hold for a few weeks. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know when the actual release date is, but it'll no. be at least a couple of weeks off. Okay, look forward to trying that. Excellent. Um, what else you what else you got coming up? So we had Wildcard join us a couple of weeks back to nice. do yep. a collab. Um, and it's a three-way collab. We did it with Patisserie Valerie as well. Oh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> I, I will pronounce this wrong. The Milfure. Have I got yes. that right? I like think that's about right. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I think that's yeah, pretty so good. So we've yeah. done a stout based on that. So that's coming in at seven and a half percent. So that gets released, I think, in two or three weeks' time. If I'm right, is that uh, Katie Berry in, in, in four forties or four three thirties? Uh, that'll be four forties. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. All of our um, non-barrel-aged stuff is in four uh, forties. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. We're very late to the party on this one, but we've done a brave noise beer. Okay, yeah. It's never too late for these things. I think it's all, you know, there's always a big flurry of releases, but I think they appreciate the long tail of it as well because it keeps it in the conversation, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I think we registered pretty much on the deadline. And then we've done like Andy's done at Elusive, whereas we've put our spin on it. And Andy loves his West Coast. We love our West Coast. So we didn't go the Nipah way. We've Uh, gone the West Coast pale way as well, same as Andy did. Yeah. Um, So that is packaged and... That's released, it might be this week or next week. Yeah. It's, it's certainly very soon, anyway. Yeah. So 5.2% West Coast Pale, that one. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, and then on Wednesday this week, I'm brewing for the first time in, well, it'll be months. I don't you know. You mentioned it's down at, uh, at, um, at Umbard, right? Uh, no, and no, I went down to Umbard. Um, that was the 7th of February. Oh, I beg your pardon. Um, I know when we were emailing um, on this, you mentioned that. Um, yeah, I, I observed... I wasn't actively involved. <laughs> um, but I have the guys from Brewboard in Cambridge coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to be bringing a California Common. Okay. Yeah. 
nice. which is a style I've never brewed before. Right. And I'm intrigued to see if it'll working on cask. In theory, it should. So we shall see. Oh, yeah, terrific. I should have asked you when we were talking earlier on about, about production, um, Lee, what sort of percentage of your output is cask? Um, so pre-pandemic, 40%. Mm-hmm. 40%. Most wow. recently... 20%, but oh, it is a growth area. We're, okay. we're up to about 25% now. Right. Well, that's good. Um, still worrying that it's it's declined so much, but it's still, you know, I'm glad that you, you're you keeping that candle burning or whatever the, you know, the right turn of phrases. It's um, it's it, it's important that there's decent, you know, it, it's all very well that there's cask beer around, but there needs to be decent craft cask beer, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And unfortunately, they're not, you know, well, I know there's a few breweries sort of coming back into the game and, and a few getting into it for the first time, you know, lots of Dyer and Verdant and what have you. But I think, um, you know, it, it does worry me when I speak to, craft breweries that i really respect in the uk and they say oh no we're not doing cask anymore that's a you know it's always a sad conversation but uh yeah uh, always has been a part of what we oh, i know did. yeah yeah we launched as a cask brewery and always will be a part of what we do yeah in yorkshire as well of course it's you know you, you you're in you know that, that's uh, almost like the epicenter isn't it of demand to some extent at least uh, maybe not york city itself but but the you know, oh, it is definitely. Yeah, it is quite an old school city. So mm-hmm. yeah, cask is in high demand, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, hopefully a few more will start to do it because I think with this um, spate of closures we're seeing, it is disproportionately affecting cask producers. It certainly is. Yeah, you know, where yeah. we're going to see a reduction of kind of availability or variety mm-hmm. in the market. So the more people that are doing it, the better. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, well, glad it's uh, glad it's it's ticking up slowly. And, and how many how many discrete cask beers would you be brewing a year, very roughly? Oh, a year. Uh, let's uh, in the region of thirty-five to forty. Oh, wow. Okay, brilliant. I thought he was going to say a much smaller number than that. Uh, two cores, so that's a, you know, two two specials a month, basically. Brilliant. Yeah. Maybe not that many though. Maybe more like thirty. All right. <laughs> yeah. Decent numbers, nonetheless. Yeah. Let's talk about fruit pie. Which is what uh, what I've moved on to here. Eight um, percent berry and cherry pie sour. The tasting notes say, "Bakers, it's time for your showstopper challenge," uh, which I appreciate the, uh, the the Bake Off shout out, which is nice. Um, in this first iteration of our showstopper mini series, we have partnered with Swedish legends Elm Eleven to create a sour based on a traditional berry and cherry pie, combining cherries, blackberries, and blueberries to create a sharp forest fruit tartness. The addition of oats and lactose provides a well-rounded mouthfeel, whilst vanilla and cinnamon adds to this classic pie recipe. I just mentioned to you um, as I opened it, Lee, this um, this is tarter than I was expecting reading those tasty notes earlier on this afternoon. I was expecting something a bit sweeter, and I really appreciate that it isn't um, as sweet as I uh, as I thought it might be, but this is really, really good and fab- fabulous uh, well, obviously, as the tasting notes say, berry flavours. Um, the cherry really cuts through, but I think the, the blackberries and blueberries as well are also great flavours. I'm, I'm a big fan of fruits of the forest as a as a sort of combination generally, anyway. And so, yeah, this this is really good, lovely, uh, lovely tartness to it. Carries the eight percent, you know, extremely well. It doesn't taste like an eight percent beer in any respect. It's it could easily, if you'd have said this was six or even five, I wouldn't have been surprised. It's uh, it's hidden away in there somewhere, but. Uh, yeah, lovely, lovely beer, and I think this is a this is going to go over a storm. And yeah, looking forward to seeing what's next in the uh, in the Showstopper miniseries. Yeah, there you go. 
I kind of bring mantras. Um, if I say a bear's going to taste of something, it is damn well going to taste of it. <laughs> I, I don't do subtle. I am as no. subtle as a slice. There's, no, there's absolutely no room for subtlety in, in craft beer, in my opinion. It's... <laughs> well, people do it. I mean, if, if you want your delicately flavoured saisons, there's people out there doing it. Oh, I know. I mean, I'm, um, I'm, I'm being controversial for effect, but but you know, give give me um, excess flavours. Uh, if you know, given given the choice between between understated and overstated, I'll, I'll go for the excess. Yeah, well, I'm a, a kind of big, bold character, and I would like to think my beer is, is the same. Yep. If it says cherry, you're going to get cherry. If it says yes. blueberry, you're going to get blueberry. <laughs> so on and so on. Indeed. Did, were you tempted to go in a bit sweeter with the lactose on this, or, or you know, has this come out exactly as you'd intended? Um, I, mean, I kind of think that we, we've done that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's good to try different things. I kind of feel, yeah, I know, it's just like not not being at all critical of, of other beers that I've had from you, but, you know, I, I was expecting, I was thinking, you know, yeah, Brew York and reading these tasting notes, I was expecting a bit more sweetness to come through. And so I'm really, I'm really glad it hasn't. And I think people tasting this beer might be quite surprised at, at, at actually, you know, how tart it is, but in a really good way. So, you know, I think... Uh, I think people really appreciate this. I expect this to, uh, and I, God forbid that I should mention Untapped, but I expect this to score really well on Untapped. Actually, with with the ABV and the you know uh, and the flavours in the beer, I think this is going to come. I think it does pretty well. well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I probably probably need to revisit that one myself. Maybe it's uh, sharper than I remember, but <laughs> but no, it's lovely. I mean, no, no. Uh... I wouldn't consider that a bad thing. So no. yeah, a, a lot of the sours that we've done would be considered entry level because you've got that initial sharp hit then you've got that sweetness that kind of takes it away and it feels more balanced yeah but the sours that i love uh to reference belgium again a creek yeah. uh like those proper cherry sours mm -hmm. you never call them sweet they do no. have that proper acidity of the fruit um as well as the acidity of the the sour itself yeah uh, so yeah i guess this this isn't Full on what you would get from the Belgian sort of side, but it's more that way. Oh, definitely, yeah. And you know, as you rightly say, the collected works of cherry sours is is so extensive and, and remarkable, isn't it? That you're, you know, anytime you're you're dipping your toe in this this particular area is, you know, you've you've got uh, got a lot to live up to to some extent, haven't you? Which is, uh... yeah, it's it's like going on MasterChef and cooking a French classic, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> you've got to absolutely nail it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're setting yourself up to with a, with a high bar to clear, which is well, it's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, excellent. At this stage, I always ask the yeah. guest if there's anything that we haven't spoken about that that is on your mind that you'd like to mention, or you're excited about, or you want to complain about, or whatever. No, there's a couple of things I should have mentioned with earlier questions. So when you said things we were proud of, yeah, it's happened since we last spoke. Right. I should have mentioned that we were awarded Brewery of the Year for Seba last year. That's right, of course. In fact, the last time I saw you was in uh, was in Liverpool when you were, I of think, course. the day before you were collecting that award or whatever. But uh, yeah. yeah, and Beer X is up soon, so our reign as Brewery of the Year comes to an end soon. That was amazing um, to receive that in front of our peers and yeah. to see the reaction of our peers. Yeah. It felt like a popular win. It felt like yes. they wanted myself and Wayne to win that one. So that Fantastic. that was really humbling. Really enjoyed that. And then in terms of things we're looking forward to, I don't have a date for this yet, but one thing I'm really excited about is we're doing a collab with Adnams. Mm -hmm. So I have huge respect for Adnams' right. position in the British brewing industry. Yep. Uh, Ghost Ship is one of my all-time favourite Caspers. Yep. Uh, um, had the privilege of chatting to um, their head brewer uh, a little while back. Okay. We've crashed out some ideas. We're pretty sure we know what we want to do. 
Nice. It's a matter of finding when we can now do it. Yep. Um, and we're going to be using their Eustrain. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. Turns out their Eustrain is not a single Eustrain. Oh, okay. But we're going to isolate part of their yeast, and we're going to use that to then brew with. So for a point of difference. And it's obviously going to be a cask beer. I think I can make that assumption, can I? You can, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I thought it probably would be. Well, that's going to be really cool. And is that um, – how widely do you hope to get that distributed? Is it you know, is it just going to be in your outlets or oh, – It'll be a good-sized batch. Uh, yeah. I would hope to get some of that national. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, yeah, be able to – See what the work of Adnams combined with Brew York is like. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, you, you might hope that you can reach some some venues that you wouldn't, you know, wouldn't naturally be cropping up in. So it's you know, it's, it's an interesting sort of yep. crossover opportunity, isn't it? That uh, there's no harm in that. Very good. Excellent. Well, those are two exciting things. Thanks very much for that, Lou. Let's get into the home straight then. And at this stage, I always ask the guest to give a shout out to a little guy or little guys. Um, and here, what I'm really looking for you to do is mention one or more local to you beer businesses that you think are doing an amazing job of promoting independent craft beer. Uh, that can be another brewery, a tap room, a pub, a bottle shop, even a restaurant or a cafe, but somebody that's just really going above and beyond to champion independent craft beer. Oh, put me on the spot there. Um, you can never list everybody. It's an impossible task. So just whatever, whatever's like, top of yeah. mind, you know. Yeah, you can't answer this question without offending lots of no, people. No, it's impossible. So so that goes without saying that the you know the apology for offence is built into the question. Um I th- I suppose that the local main champion would have to be Trembling Madness, who yes. started out as a fantastic and unique venue, then diversified into having two venues, mm-hmm. and then courtesy or as a result of the pandemic, created a, a, a huge online business as well. And has got access to some great stuff. And I think the price point's pretty good. And they're really good at promoting local as well as some of the international stuff that they bring Love in. Love what they do. Great uh, food as well. Just an absolute pleasure to visit those venues. Yeah. yeah, you need to get there about 11 in the morning. That's the only chance of getting a table. But uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that aside, great place to visit. Yep. Um, so I'd say probably them locally. And mm-hmm. apologies to anyone I've not mentioned by mentioning them. No, I think they're worthy of, of mentioning, uh, absolutely, you know, easily, to my mind, easily a top 10 UK craft beer bar, even though it's more than one bar. But, you know, they, they would be on my list of, you know, places you have to visit before you die, certainly. Yeah, the, the, the new one's good, but the, the original is truly unique. Yep, it is. Uh, yeah. I could try and explain it to people, but they just need to get there and see it for themselves. You will not find another bar like that in the UK, trust me. You really won't. No, certainly, you know, stuffed animals per square foot. They certainly, yeah, certainly. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely leading the way with that one, I think. <laughs> yes, good, good shout. Thank you very much for that. So we arrive at the wrap up question, Lee. And here, uh, what I need to know from you is what beer or beer style that's no longer available would you like to resurrect mm-hmm. so that you can either taste again or taste for the first time? So this might be something from your formative years that you look back on that you wonder whether it was as good as you remember and you'd like to taste a game with your modern refined brewer's palate. Or it might be something that you've just read about, you know, in history. It might even be something that was available perhaps in the US and you never got to taste it in the early craft beer years. And, you, you know, you re- look back on, oh, man, I wish I'd had a chance to taste that. So go whatever direction you like with that. 
Okay, US wise, I mean, I'm a West Coast guy, so I'd love to have tasted the original batches of Pliny the Elder. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that would be the one there. Um, in in the UK, I, I've got this kind of nostalgic memory of what Tetley's used to be like. Okay. <laughs> um, and if you get it these days, and it's hard to get it these days, mm. it's not what I remember. Nice. So I'd like to know if it was as good as I thought it was before it got ruined. Okay. Uh, or I've just got rose tinted glasses looking back at what that once was. So nice. So you, 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 you want to pick out a year that you'd like to taste it from, or a, or even a decade? I don't know. Is it is you, you thinking back to? I guess you're thinking back to the like the nineties or whatever. Or um... yeah, I'd, I'd have been about nineteen or twenty last time I yeah. drank that. So I'm forty four now. So twenty four years ago. So that's back end of the last century. Yeah. Yeah. I've also got memories of of cask beers from my formative years. It was a, a decade earlier than yours. I I remember very fondly, and I'm quite sure they weren't as good as I remember them being. I, I remember Jennings being great at that time, and you know I don't think you know when I had that in later years, it didn't didn't really do so much for me. But I remember you know when I was sort of eighteen, nineteen, twenty, drinking. I think, oh wow, this is amazing. I think drinking it in the northwest, probably a long way away from home for me at the time, was was fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I used to. Back in the day, I drink a, a lot of John Smith's cask, but hmm. people don't realise that Rob, that that we drank what we had the option of. Of course, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I've always been a real ale advocate, so I always drank whatever was on cask. Yeah, but to see something that wasn't produced by one of the big brewers was really quite a rarity. Yes, it was. Absolutely. Uh, and then eventually, you'd get a guest beer, and then you'd drink that. Yeah, but that it took some time for that to come along. Definitely, my my most exciting memories from those years were, were were always going to the Firkin pubs, which you know sort of peaked around my the time that I was getting old enough to to drink out regularly and be able to afford it, which was I suppose the early you know sort of the early to mid eighties. Um, so we had a Firkin pub in St Albans, which was close to where I grew up, and you know, and there were a number of Firkin pubs in London, and and in particular in Bristol, the Fleece and Firkin, which is still still going as a as a music venue, but you know th th those were. The, the the beers in those pubs are always so much more sort of you know that they were the equivalent of, of modern craft beers today in terms of the overload of flavors in comparison to the mass produced sort of macro cast beers i think and so, so i've got very fond memories of of the firkin beers and i you know i don't i don't particularly remember individual beers i mean they, they have one called dog bolter that i know was quite widely available i think but it's you know i don't think um it's not so much an individual an individual beer it's just that those breweries just did have more of a, a sort of a, a craft focus on what they were doing, and so really looking for it for ex excessive flavors. But yeah, the one that really opened my eyes would be Roosters. Uh -huh. I think they celebrate something like their thirtieth year this year, mm. um, and they've been doing American hot Casimir for thirty years. Yes, so before we had this concept of craft, they were essentially doing craft. All that was well ahead of its time, craft. wasn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um so yeah i've always enjoyed yankee or whatever else they were doing yep. and yeah once those things started to appear and this is kind of predates um jiper and all those kind of things oh, yeah. but we didn't know what we were drinking at the time it, it was no. just a, a cask beer that was fruitier and yeah, therefore exactly. Like, yeah exactly yeah, but it's some, something that, that's had had more more about it somehow than just just the flavors of the malt and the bitterness from the hops you know it's, i didn't probably couldn't describe it any more than more than that but it was yeah interesting times yeah actually you know just reflecting actually is when we had a drink last year in york and we went to the uh 
you took me to the Thornbridge pub, didn't you? I don't remember what it's called, but but I, you know, I, I reflect on that as being a, a fun place to visit and somewhere I probably would have gone off my own bat, but really, really enjoyed that we went there and and you know that, that was a that was a nice experience. Yeah, that'll have been the market cat on the market. I think it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice views over the market. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, any venue that has cast Jaipur, yeah. it's gonna be near the top of my list of places to visit. <laughs> Funnily enough, yeah. Not tried it yet, actually, to my shame. But my um, one of my local friends, Double Barrel, has just just released what they call Jai Parker, which is uh, which is a crossover between Jaipur and their core pale Parker, which I'm sure you must have must have tasted at some point around mm. the place. So I'm quite interested to see how that's turned out. I must must get my ass down there this weekend and and, and check that out before it's all gone. Look, absolute <laughs> pleasure catching up with you. Anyway, really looking forward to to seeing. Uh, hopefully, catching you. Well, I'm so I'm sure I'll see you at London Craft Beer. I look forward to seeing you elsewhere about the place this year. But in the meantime, I wish you every success. I'm quite sure you're going to continue to go from strength to strength. And both the beers that we've tasted this evening, I think people really should look out for because I think you know these are these are two of the best brilliant beers I've ever tasted. I think they're both amazing in their own right. And yeah, yeah I think you're on a on a terrific path to uh, further fame and fortune. At least I hope so. Well, at least fame anyway. I'm not sure about the fortune, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you're on the money there, mate. <laughs> Uh, In the meantime, uh, give my best to Wayne and uh, yeah, I'll catch you guys next time. Yeah, cheers.